And so we're taking this whole year where we're, we're talking about the gospel, the good news in four letters. We've already studied Galatians. We're now in Ephesians. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, once you go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one probably in the pew in front of you, or feel free to use your uh, electronic device. Uh, we use the ESV app. It's very, very helpful. And so we're understanding what the gospel is. And what we'll see in our text today, again, is the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the power of God to save us from the punishment and, and, and the power of sin. And, and there's something that happens when we believe that. We get peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. Only the gospel of God can do that. No other ideology, no other psychology, no behavior modification can provide that. Only the gospel of God can give peace with God, peace within, that, that produces a peace with others. And once you've experienced this peace, once you have this new life in Christ, you're able to understand and to discern things that, that you were not able to before. This is what we're learning as we're studying Ephesians, the good news revealed. The good news of God allows believers to know the plans and desires that God has revealed for his people. It's not that we're smarter, it's that we're alive. It's that the, the spirit of God who, who inspired and provides the text enables us to know. So look, if you're a PhD here this morning, you may be the smartest person in the room, but if you're not born again, a born again child is able to apprehend more of the truth than you ever could know in your mind because of the presence of the spirit of God. It is a supernatural reality. And here's what we all need to know is that if you're not a believer in the gospel, you're a believer in something. Everyone believes something. Everyone believes something is good and right and true and best. And, and, and we've been saying this throughout the year, so you can probably say it with me if you've been around. The gospel you believe determines what? And so whatever you think is true and right, that's going to determine your life, how you live. It's going to determine what you feel and, and how you go about life, your way of being. And it's very, very important to understand what your faith is. Again, everyone believes something. Everyone has faith in something they believe is true and right and best. And it, and it impacts feelings and function. Now, right now we're in Ephesians chapter 4. And when you're, when you're studying Ephesians, what, what the commentators will tell you is that Ephesians 1 through 3 is all about theology, and four through six is, is all about function. So the ones on faith, the ones on function. It's not entirely true, but generally speaking, it is. And it's very important to realize that the way we choose to function will drive our faith. We're going to talk more in detail about that today. The way we choose to function will also impact our feelings. And so this functional aspect of, of what the scripture uh, reveals to us is very, very important. Today we're going to study God's renewal revealed and how it changes who we are and how we feel and how we seek to live. Because in Christ, we've been set free. Here we are on the cusp of once again celebrating our, our, our nation's independence. And it's important that we, we go back occasionally and, and read this article, which begins this way. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. What we need to remember as, as citizens of this nation is, is that the, the reason we have rights is because of the creator. You remove the concept of the creator and you have chaos. There are no rights apart from God. There, there is only power and, and the capacity to control what is said and done. 
That's all that is left apart from the creator God. Because there is a creator, there are rights. And within these rights, there can be a blessedness. And this blessedness allows for freedom. And a part of what we delight in as those who understand the gospel of God is not only the the freedom we have as, as citizens of this great nation, but as citizens of the kingdom of God. You know the declaration of independence. You know the declaration of our freedom in Christ found in John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do you know the declaration of Galatians 5, 1? For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Or what about 1 Peter chapter 2? Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. One of the reasons why citizens of the kingdom of God are the best citizens of any nation is because of who we are made in Christ to be. And again, it's not that we seek applause. It's not that we seek approval of those around us on a horizontal level. We seek the approval of our creator and savior. And by living for him, it brings about a blessing to those who are around us. So we can honor these systems. We can honor what is true and right and best. And we can be a help and a hope. And our text today calls us to this, to live out our freedom so, so that we can enjoy the renewing power of God and it make a difference in our life and in our world. So you're hopefully there in Ephesians chapter four. Our study today comes from verses 17 through 32, but Amelia is gonna read 25 through 27. So Amelia, if you would come on up, let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in Ephesians chapter four. Amelia is gonna read for us uh, 25 through 27. Go ahead. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. The the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, look to the person next to you and tell them the sermon's for me, but I'm glad you're here. Go ahead. (laughs) So we're talking about renewal. We're talking about God's renewal. Now to renew something is is to take something what was and and to, to make it again new. Uh, maybe you've had this happen where it was time to, to renew maybe a subscription. Uh, maybe you've done, done like I've done where there was a free subscription and, and then a few months later they, they sent you a bill for what they think that, pro- that product actually uh, should be uh, worth and you realize it is not worth this. And so you don't renew the prescription, subscription. Other things you do renew and what you're in essence saying is, I want this to be ongoing. I want what we said was right and good. I want to renew that. And see, this is what God does with us. When we are renewed by God, we are transformed. We we are renewed. We are made into what God made us to be. Using the three circles is very helpful to understand this very concept. It's a very simple concept, but it's a deep one. It's an important one. We use the three circles for a conversation. This morning, I was just thrilled. My heart was just thrilled as I as I talked to a a, a woman and, and her family. They were on vacation with extended family and uh, uh, she had opportunity. She, she and her daughter 
to share three circles with her brother, who's not a believer. And they had a conversation about three circles. It wasn't a, a presentation where they knew all the facts. It was a conversation. That man accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord because he came to understand reality. And here's reality. This world is not as it should be. This world is filled with brokenness. Now, God's design was perfection. It was harmony. But that's not what we're experiencing now. We experience brokenness and pain and death and sorrow and hardship. Why? Because of sin. Sin always produces brokenness. But God did not abandon us in the world we created, the world we caused. Instead, God entered that world. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. God became flesh and he dwelt among us. Jesus Christ, God, lived a holy life, died to pay for our sin because the, the, the wage of sin is death. But death couldn't hold him. He's been raised and now he's alive. And because he's alive, he can live in us, forgive us and guide us. So if we will repent, turn away from self-sufficiency and, and believe, trust in what Christ has done, we can pursue and recover God's design. But that's not the end. That's just the beginning. The more we pursue and recover God's design, here's what we're going to find. We're, we're going to pursue what is, what is right and perfect. And we'll realize, I'm not there yet. There's still sin that's at work in my flesh that's causing brokenness that I need to kill. I need to repent of that. And, and I need to believe the gospel, not for salvation, but for sanctification, to become more like Jesus, to be renewed in Christ. And, and this is what happens over our entire lifetime, constantly pursuing and recovering God's design, recognize there's sin still at work in our flesh, repenting of that, being renewed in the gospel so that we can pursue and recover God's design and be transformed. When God's renewal is revealed, there, there are so many good things that happen. We're liberated for experiences and, and, a, and a greater understanding of God. So there's three things that I would, I would show you today that I would encourage you to write down and remember as it pertains to God's renewal revealed. First of all, this. God's renewal reveals the identity-changing holiness of God. The identity-changing holiness of God. As Christians, we're given a, a new likeness. We, we are made holy. The old is gone. The new has come. Th that doesn't mean that, that now we're going to be perfect. No, sin is still at work in our flesh. The, the world is still fallen. And yes, there is a devil. And there are fallen creatures that, that would seek to entrap us back into the slavery to sin. But we've been set free. And a part of our freedom is we have peace with God because we've been forgiven. It's what the gospel does. It gives us forgiveness from God so that we have peace with God. Once we have peace with God, we can have peace within. We can know what, what, that, we're, that we are accepted by our maker, that, that there is nothing that is keeping us from him. We've been given holiness. We have a right standing with him. And now we can share with others what we've been given. We can, we can share forgiveness and we can live in this new life, this new identity. And it's in this life that we, we're able to gain and again, for me personally, this, this is very challenging. A real insight into what we once were. You know, sometimes when we're in the midst of something, we can't really see it for what it is. We have to see it in retrospect. We have to get past it and look back. You know, I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life when, I, when, I've, when I've, I've really thought, oh, if I could have only known then what I know now. But there's something about what I know now that comes from being able to look back 
and, and able to see what was. And so what we see here in verses 17 through 22 is what those who are, who are in Christ, what we once were. And, and sadly, what some of you who are not in Christ, what you now are. For those of us who are in Christ, I know for me personally, it's, it's hard to remember what I once was. It's hard to think about that, but it's also a blessing because it makes me grateful. This morning, if you're not grateful toward God, if you're not excited about God, let let me tell you maybe why that is. It probably has to do with the fact that you don't really understand the seriousness of your sin. You don't think that it's a big deal. And because to you, your sin is small, all you needed was a little Jesus, a, a, a little savior. And so you're only a little grateful. See, when you come to the realization that your sin is a huge deal, that it is awful, and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ is great and awesome, it's then that your gratitude grows, that you find yourself content and happy because of who Christ is and what he's done. It's hard though, because you have to look back. And in looking back, you see the ugliness, but, but it makes you grateful because God has been so good. We are, we are such a blessed people. When I, when I go overseas, I often come home and I realize how blessed we are as a people. If you've ever been to Africa, if you've ever been to any, if you've ever been to a third world country, you realize how important water is. You know, walking around these parts, it's like, you know, water is very, very accessible. But I'm going to tell you, when, when, when I was in Africa and it was, it was 110 in the shade and the water wasn't clean, it was a real chore to have enough water to be sustained for a day. I remember coming home and just going to the kitchen and turning on the water, just being like, wow, you know, this is amazing. After a while, it began to scare the children. <laughs> Mom, what's dad doing? Why does he keep, can't you see this kids? It's water. You know, as Christians in a land where the living water flows and we, we find it so it's accessible, there are many times that we forget how precious it is. And, and, and also we forget what we once were. A, a few weeks ago, I was reminded of what my life could have been like without Christ. It was difficult to process. Still difficult. I think it'll always be difficult so long as I'm on this planet. But I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the salvation that I have in Christ Jesus. That I am not what I once was. What was I once? Well, if you look at verse 17 through 22, that's it. And if you're in Christ today, this is what you once were. If you're not in Christ, this is what you now are. Lost in darkness. You're on your own. You have no way of knowing up from down. It, 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 it changes depending on what culture happens to be saying at any given moment. The voices are confusing. You're alienated from God. You, 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 you maybe believe in God, maybe you don't, but you don't know him personally. You don't have peace with him. You don't feel his presence. You're not delighted in his love and his grace. You don't have peace within because everything's always changing. There's, there's, there's never a, a sense of, of closure. It, there's always an uneasiness. And because you don't have peace with God, because you don't have peace within, that always, it always produces conflict with other people. You can't forgive them. They can't forgive you fully, completely, uh, the way God does, the way God commands. And so there's always this disruption. But if you are in Christ, 
you know that there's a life. And this life is described here in verses 23 through 24. These two verses describe this, this new way, this new identity, what it produces. It produces involvement in what God makes us. We're made into a new person. And that always sort of confused me. As I was a few months going to church, trying to get a date with Carrie without taking Jesus too serious, I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was looking for a date. And, I, and Jesus found me. And one of the things I was concerned about is like, well, what's this going to do? If I get saved, what's this going to do? And, and what I realized is that, is that Jesus doesn't change your personality. You, you know, you may be, it, it changed my language. I, will, I can testify to that. But I was still goofy. You know, I, 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 was, I still loved humor. I mean, nothing used to make me laugh more then as it does now to see someone get scared to jump out and hide in the closet and jump out as the staff will tell you. And if you fall to the ground, it's even better. And if you get mad, it's over the top great. Now, that doesn't change. I mean, there's still the things that are funny to you, the things that, you know, you're, you have your personality. But, but what does happen is that that person is transformed and made new into what God created you to be. You got peace with God. You have peace within. You can pursue peace with others. It's a different way, and it comes from a different way of thinking. Look at verse 23. You know, our minds are changed by the, by the Holy Spirit, and there's a supernatural sense to this, and there's a natural sense to it. There's a supernatural sense to it in that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is, this is amazing. The Holy Spirit, he speaks through his word. And his word shows us what we could not know apart from him. And this, this illumination, this, this wonderful transformation that happens, it's supernatural. And if you're not a believer, you can't understand what I'm talking about. Because again, this is something that happens to those who believe. Those who have been born again, who have the spirit of God alive in us. But for those of us who are alive to Christ, we are not to be passive. There's a natural means by which we are to experience this renewal, this transformation of thinking. This is Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. That's a command. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the, renewing, the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are to submit ourselves to Scripture. We are to read the word of God. We are to be under the preaching of God's word. We are to be in the community of the saints. We are to have people that hold us accountable. All of that is a means by which we submit ourselves to the authority of the scripture. And, and that scripture then is able to do supernaturally what the spirit says. So our function is very important. Again, I put this, this uh, diagram in front of you. Your function is important. If you are not submitting yourself to scripture, it's, it's going to have an impact on your faith. So if, you're, if you are in the word of God and the word of God is impacting you, it's going to impact your faith. It's also going to impact your feelings. You, you're going to find yourself more grateful, more content, uh, understanding more of the grace of God that's been given to you. And that's going to change your life. But it's a functional means by, by which we are transformed in our thinking. And that thinking helps us understand our being. Verse 24, our, our standing is changed. We're made holy before God. 
We're given a new calling. We're given a new way of life. We talked about this last week, Ephesians 4.1. I'm not going to go into it again, but just remind you through the reading of the word. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We've been called to live holy lives. Lives that have peace with God, peace within, peace with others. This happens by the identity-changing power of God. And once our identity is changed, then our lifestyle changes. That's the second thing to write down and remember. God's renewal reveals the lifestyle-changing demands of God. God expects us to change. He gives us the means by which to change, and then he commands us to be helpful, not harmful, not hurtful, to do what is best for others because of who we are. Our lifestyle comes out of our identity. Because of who we are, we live a certain way. I imagine that some of you had families that before you went to school, when you were a child, your mom or your dad said, don't forget who you represent when you go to that school. How many of you had a mom or dad tell you that before you went, went to school? So, so many of you had parents like me. Let me ask again. Let me make sure you're away. How many of you actually had a parent say, I expect you to live up and to honor our family name out in public? Show of hands. Man, there are a lot of people like me. Okay, so... A lot of people are grown up told that when they go to school to represent the name, this is what our father does for us. He says, as you go out in the world, remember whose family you're a member of and live like it. Your identity, your identity, who you are drives your behavior, that there is a lifestyle change. So now we can do what is right and best by, look at verse 25, by being truth tellers in a world of liars like Jesus. Friends, remember what Jesus said. He said, you know, if, if they hate you, they hated me first. It, liars don't like the truth. The darkness doesn't like the light. And so when we tell the truth, we should not expect liars to appreciate it. As a matter of fact, they, many times they want to silence the truth. That's what happened with Jesus. As his followers, we should expect the same treatment. We can do what is right and best by being loving even when we're mad. Look at verses 26 and 27. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being angry. What we are not to do is to sin in our anger. Don't make excuses for yourself. Well, you know, I just kind of fly off the handle sometimes. No, that's sin. It's not a mistake. It's not you just, you know, making, you know, ah, you know me. No, you are a Christian you are a child of the living God. Yes, you can be angry, but you don't sin in your anger. You live out who you are and you talk as you are made to be. You, you don't just say whatever you feel. Yes, you're angry, but you don't sin. And you're honest and you're hardworking. Verse 28, this goes against the American dream. It's not so that you can just get more, it's so that you can give. This is the philosophy of Christianity. This is not the philosophy of America. I get that. You know, the American dream is get all you can so that you can show everybody how important you are. Be defined by your stuff. Christianity says, don't be defined by your stuff. Be defined by your generosity. You get, you earn, you work hard, you're honest so that you can, you can give to others. And here's what's so amazing. You, you, don't, you don't get to hold on. You, you get to give. And the more you give, the more you get. Some of you in Christ, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
There is a delight and a joy in giving. And this is what we're called to. This is what this life looks like. And, and we get to be encouragers. Look at verse 29. We build others up, which is what Christ has done for us. He encourages us in the truth. Yes, he's correcting us, but he's always reminding us, look at who you are. You're born again. You've been bought with the blood. Now live like it. Live like it. And we're encouraged to, in this way of Christ. And it comes with a change of heart. That's the third thing to write down and remember. God's renewal reveals the heart-changing presence of God. I mean, friends, God is the Almighty. And if the Almighty is in your life, He's going to change your affections. He's going to change your heart. If your heart is not changed, it's a very serious questions that need to be asked as to whether or not God is there. God is so big and so powerful and so good. His presence is going to bring about a heart change. We have peace. And so we make peace. We, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the one who's given us this life. He's the one who now resides in our life. We're born again by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God now lives in us. And that life, that life now is one because he's a person that we can grieve. When we choose to dishonor God, when we choose to go our own way, when we choose to think little of our sin and little of Jesus and have little gratitude, it grieves the Spirit. What, what delights the Spirit is when we recognize the peace we have with God, the peace we have with, within, so that we pursue peace with others. This delights the Spirit of God, and it provides for us the, the, the capacity to be like Jesus. How are we to be? Look at verse 32. We're to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There are many who, who lack peace with others because of an inability to forgive. And, and most oftentimes, that inability to forgive comes from the unwillingness to deal with a challenge emotionally that it brings we, we rather than getting caught up in what is the right thing to do we we get caught up in the wrong things we feel and, and I would say we need to be very careful about what we allow our feelings to be submitted to last week we were in we were in Florida and I don't know if you guys have heard about this but apparently in even the Gulf of Mexico there are sharks have y'all heard this there are sharks out there and, and, and they're just swimming around and they will bite you because that's what sharks do. Now, you know what? If I would have swam out, which I did not, I did not have a firm belief that, that you should not go out where the sharks are. But had I gone out where the sharks are and, and, and infuriated my wife and one had bit me and I came to you today and I'm standing up here on a peg leg, I would not be angry with a shark. Why? Because the shark's just doing what the shark does. It would make no sense for me to go around the rest of my life mad at a shark. Can you believe that shark bit me? It's ridiculous. Sharks. It's just being a shark. What wisdom does is recognize sharks for what they are. We need to recognize people for what they are. Liars lie. Abusers abuse. Thieves steal. 
Gossipers gossip. Murderers kill. And cheaters cheat. And what the smart thing for us to do is not to allow them to get a hold of us emotionally and hold us emotionally captive. That takes wisdom. Jesus said it this way in, in Matthew 10, 16. He said, be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. That, that, that means that we don't walk around assuming the worst, but it does mean that we cannot ignore the truth. I've been saying this to myself a lot and to those who are near me, so now I say to you, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. When someone tells you who they are by their words and deeds, believe them. Now, that's, that's easier said than done because there's a lot of emotional pain that goes along with that. See, the Bible and, and the way God designed things creates what are good expectations, what should be expected. But often there's a reality that is not met by that expectation. The space between expectation and reality is negative emotions. And here's what happens to a lot of people. When those expectations, right expectations, biblical expectations are not met and that negative emotions happens, here's what a lot of people want to do. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. It, it, it is what it is. I, I'm, just not going to, I'm just not going to deal with it. But it still holds you captive. You're still stuck. And that's not responsible. It's not wise. You say, well, what do you do? Well, you do what you did when you were saved and, and, and you deal with it the way God dealt with you. How did God deal with us who are saved? When we didn't meet expectation, when we didn't live the life that, that God created us to live, there was, a, there was a negative consequence to that. The reality, we didn't, we didn't measure up to reality. There was a huge miss. So what did God do? He came to us in his word and in his person. And he said, your reality is not expectation. Here's your reality, here's expectation. This is who you are. Is this who you want to be? See, this is what the Bible does for us. It reveals who we are. It reveals our sin. It reveals where we're wrong. And the invitation of Christ is to come and to say, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a cheater. I don't want to be a liar. I, I don't want to be a gossiper. I don't want to be darkness. I, I don't want to cause pain. I, I want what is good. I want what is right. I want what is best. And, and Jesus says, well, then repent. Turn from your wickedness. Receive forgiveness and come under the authority of Jesus Christ and be made new. And have new life. Peace with God. You know what that does? It gives peace within and then that frees you to go and make peace with others. You say, well, how do I do that? You do it the way God did with you. You go to those who, who's, you, the, the right expectation is here, but the reality is down here. And you say, friend, here's where you are. Is this who you want to be? Is this who you are, are, are setting yourself out for? Is this your reality? Is this the way you're going to go about life? And when people tell you who they are, believe them. 
And so if someone says, yeah, I'm going to be a liar. Yeah, I'm going to be a cheater. Yeah, I'm going to be a liar. You can love them, but you can't allow them to control your emotions or influence them. Any more than you can, you can allow a shark that bites you to influence your emotions. It's irresponsible. The right thing to do is to go to those who've not met expectation and say, here's where our relationship is. And let them choose to repent. Let them choose to confess. Now, friends, remember, it takes two to dance. Every conflict has two people, right? Two sides. Here's what you may find. There's something you, you did. And you may only be 1% responsible for the issue, but you're 100% responsible for your 1%. And so you may need to repent. But here's what happens. There's peace. See, if, if we give to others what Christ has given to us, there's peace. We have peace with God, peace within, peace with others. Where does it come from? It comes from telling the truth. It, it comes from holding on to the grace that we've been given. And because we're so grateful, because we know how great our sin is, because we go back to 4, 17 through 22, and we say, absolutely, that was me. Absolutely, I was, I was broken. Absolutely, I was dirty. Absolutely, it was darkness. But the greatness of Jesus has forgiven me. And now I am so grateful. How can I not forgive you? Someone says, well, how many times do I have to forgive him? Well, what did Jesus tell Peter? Do you remember? How many times say it out loud? 70 times seven. A lot. An infinite amount. And here's what you need to remember. By the way, that's what Jesus has done for you. He's forgiven you an infinite amount so that you can forgive an infinite amount. But if someone says, well, I don't want forgiveness. I don't want, okay, that defines, that's the relationship. Call it what it is, but don't let it drive you emotionally. What we pursue is peace. Peace with God, peace within, peace with others. And that only comes by the gospel. That only comes when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It's only when we seek peace with other people. That's where the supernatural and the reality meet so that there is renewal. Now, here's what I know about some of you here today. You've not been renewed and you're lost and you're in darkness. You don't have peace with God. You don't have peace within. Any peace with others is mostly pretend. It is what it is. Repent. Repent and get a new life in Christ. Now, some of you, dear ones, you have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. But here's expectation. Here's your reality. The word of God has probably shown you some things in your life today that are not right. Repent. Not for salvation, but to be made in the image of Christ and to have peace with God so that you do not grieve the Spirit. Some of you need to give forgiveness. Some of you need to go seek it. But before you do, remember, your sin is first and foremost against God. Psalm 51.4, we first and foremost sin against God. So the right thing to do is to first make sure you have peace with God and then go pursue peace with others and delight in the renewal of who God is and what he does. Amen? Let's stand together. Father.
We thank you for the peace you give. And Lord, I know that some need it today. So care leaders, if you would, please come forward. And so I pray for some today who need this peace, that they would come and talk to one of these leaders at the front and that they would be saved or, or meet with us out in the hallway at their Guest Connect. God, I also pray for your beloved children, some who are here. They don't, they don't have things settled in their heart and their mind and they need your help. Some of them are being controlled by those who have caused harm. And I pray today that they will be wise and innocent in the matter and have peace. And that they will pursue peace. They will continue to pursue peace. Be willing to give forgiveness as they've been forgiven. And in that, Lord, to gain this new life, this renewal. So Lord, I pray that you will, you'll do a work even now amongst the beloved. Some who need to come and say, Lord, I'm not, I'm not living up to what standards you've called me to, and I'm sorry, forgive me. Others who need help in making peace, finding peace, being made whole, God, hear them as they come and ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's